The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, we've got a special guest today Me who too. is at camp. Uh, I'm I'm feeling a little bit nostalgic for not being at camp this week, like we were last week. But um, how did the uh, back to back to work week treat you? Uh, the back to work week sucked. It's, it always sucks, but you know, but, but I am going back to camp on Sunday, but like you said, we do have a, a special guest, uh, Brendan Shagru from the bears wires joining us today. And Brendan, you were at camp today. That's why we wanted to bring you on because fans want that firsthand experience. I want to know the stuff that's going on there. So good, good time today at house hall for you. What's up guys. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good time. Uh, myself and my co-host for the bear down Chicago podcast, Jack Wright went and, you know, we just had a great time, beautiful weather. And I mentioned earlier to you guys, this is my second camp practice in a year. I went last year and I think it's pretty interesting because during last year's camp with Matt Nagy, I went on one of the days where it was probably one of the most laid back practices. And they even said it, they only did like, you know, they didn't real do real hitting. They only did end zone work. And to contrast that, today was probably one of the most physical practices, uh, both by my accounts and then hearing from other what other players said. Because I kept thinking, I'm like, man, these guys are really, really getting after it. I was like, I don't remember this last year. And then, of course, afterwards, hearing the during the media session, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, Eddie Jackson all said, yeah, this was tough. But I, I'd say uh, it, it was a fun practice. It was it was hard. I'd say it was hard for a lot of guys. Just they kept getting after it, doing a ton of different drills. Uh, we saw some scout team today, which was interesting. At first, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, wait, they have pennies on? Does that mean what I think it means? <laughs> and so uh, that that was pretty interesting. But yeah, just a just a fun day at Hallis Hall. It was, it was good to be back. Now, I got a message from you early this morning where you were kind of freaking out. D- direct message on Twitter where you're like, where are the buses? Uh, and yes. so just public service announcement for those of you that are going to camp and haven't been there yet, but have been there in the past, the buses are picking up from the other side of the Macy's on, on Vernon Hills mall. So, uh, if you're going there and you're going to the same spot and you're hanging out and milling around with other people who are doing the exact same thing, uh, they should just put a sign up, say, Hey, maybe go around the other side. It's actually on the North side uh, of the Macy's. So just, you know, um, 
public service announcement to those of you who spoken been like a yet. true local jb i like it yeah right yeah <laughs> i think good. i even got the direction right I think yeah i, I, think good, I did that worked. right no um, it's it's true yeah last year it was right in front of the magianos i get there nobody's there i'm like oh great they moved the location but now i don't know where it is and yeah i was a little i was like who who can i message that i know has been there already i was like oh jeff <laughs> Did you do any of the Peyton Center stuff or take any of the pictures or, you know, they still had the Red Grange bobblehead doll up, I assume? They do. Yes, I took. Uh, so I didn't go to the Walter Peyton Center. Um, that's like two years in a row. I'm like, hey, I think I want to do that. And then I'm like a, you know, a, a small kid. I get distracted by shiny things. Once I get there, I'm like, oh, pro shop. Oh, here's Staley. Oh, I'm just going to like look at everything. And then by the time I look at my watch, it's uh, 15 minutes to practice and I want to stake out a good spot. But checked out the pro shop. Uh, there are still Mitchell Trubisky jerseys for $20 <laughs> if you want them. I, I was a little disappointed because I was hoping the same thing would happen for Akeem Hicks jerseys. Nope. I really wanted an Akeem Hicks jersey, but they're they're still selling them at a pretty high price. Um, yeah, so, you know, just kind of it was similar to what we saw last year. Only I love that they had food trucks this year. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't actually get any food. I was just, you know, I wanted love to see the idea. practice. But yeah. I love the idea. Yeah, people yeah. were taking right. advantage of it. Um, I was a little bummed I couldn't get a beer afternoon because, uh, you know, I I like the idea of selling beer, but and I know you're trying to be responsible by kind of cutting it off at a certain time, but I really don't want to drink beer before it like noon, and I want to hit it after practice, but. That's all right. I got me a nice fresh Deja Blue because that's the only place that I ever see a Deja Blue is at Bears games or practices. Well, you got a beer tonight going. Uh, this is not Bears over beers, uh, so you know I'm not I'm not drinking that. But you want to share your beer since you know we can kind of just take care of that as well. Sure thing. It yeah, it is a Daisy Cutter Daisy Cutter okay. Pale Ale. Yeah, good beer. All right. I no, yeah, I have no nice. idea what that means. Uh, Lester doesn't. <laughs> <beer. laughs> Uh, the, the wild thing uh, only drinks uh, uh, whiskey and uh, Zima. That's it. Iced tea tonight, my friend. <laughs> I was going to say red wine, but <laughs> um, all right. So let's let's get into the show. So let's talk about the offensive line. We always start in the trench. Trench tribute. Um, you had an article up on Bears Wire earlier today where you pointed out six guys that you thought stood out to you in camp. Uh, so why don't we start there? Who who on the offensive line did you include in that article that's really stood out to you? So it's kind of one of the obvious go-to answers here, but uh, it was Braxton Jones. And for an, a couple reasons, one, he played every single snap at left tackle. So the Bears were rotating some offensive linemen, notably at right tackle, Riley Reef and Larry Borum. They, those two were the you know notable ones that were getting time with the ones. Of course, Tevin Jenkins wasn't there, but... As each practice goes along, it really seems like Braxton Jones is that guy at left tackle. And he was, again, he was holding his own. He looks like he belongs, at least in practice, going up against guys like Travis Gibson, Al-Qaeda Muhammad. Now, Robert Quinn didn't practice today, so you kind of don't get like the full scope of what he can do. But he gave Justin Fields enough time on multiple occasions. There was one play in particular where he was kind of getting pressured a little bit, but he held his own enough for Justin Fields to fire a pass, I believe, to Byron Pringle. But, you know, like you, you start to hear about these, okay, Braxton Jones is is continuing time with the ones. Is this actually going to be a realistic week one scenario? And now that you're seeing Riley Reef play more and more on the right side, 
it really seems like Braxton Jones is going to be the week one starter. Now, I really want to see how he performs in preseason against another team. And he's got a tough task against a really good 49ers defense if he is a starter against guys like Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa. But for all intents and purposes, he looked good today. And he got, like I said, he got all the reps, which is, I think, the most important thing right now. You know, I think it's a testament to his work ethic where the Bears went through the entire offseason program. Right before camp, they're like, you know what, we have to upgrade a tackle. Riley Reef comes in within, within I think, a couple practices. He's he's with the ones, with Jones rotating in. But but it's Reef had the job for a few days there. And then mm-hmm. at some point, they're like, man, the coaching staff said Braxton Jones, you know, I think he deserves that the, the shot back. And since they made that switch, I think it was three practices ago, it's been Reef on the right side exclusively with Borum. And, I mean, Braxton Jones, I mean, his tape coming out, I mean, yeah, he went to the fifth round, but it was a, a huge draft class. I mean, he got pushed down with like a lot of prospects did. Mm-hmm. I, I love the upside there. You know, good feet, long arms. He, he looks the part of an NFL tackle. And everything you hear about his work ethic, his stuff off the field, his personality, you know, his his mentality about how he looks at the game. He doesn't look at the game. There was actually a podcast, uh, our, our Making Monsters, uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, and we had the the his his O line coach on there, and and he mentioned that Jones looks at the game, the full game. He doesn't just look at his responsibility as a tackle. He he knows mm-hmm. everyone's responsibility on that offensive play and the scheme, and he says that helps him be a better football player. Oh yeah, you you need to know what's going on. I mean, like it's not your job, but you need to know the job of the guy next to you. It makes your job easier and to understand what's happening. I mean, the fact is arms are, I think, like two, at least two inches longer than Larry Borum's and Tevin Jenkins. I mean, that alone says something. He does have, when you see him in person, he does have that physicality. And I think the biggest thing is you mentioned Riley Reef spending time with the ones. He wasn't really getting pushed in those minicamp practices. He was primarily working as the first offensive tackle, at least on the left side. Now you bring in a veteran who has played a number of snaps. And I mean, Riley Reef isn't any slouch. Like he's a decent, solid offensive lineman, maybe a little long in the tooth, but you bring him in to kind of push him a little bit, see what he can do. And for the coaches, Braxton Jones just, you know, continues to ascend and, you know, makes him more expendable, or I guess, you know, put him at the right side and see what he can do with Borum. So I, I think that is probably my biggest takeaway there. Like he got competition and now he's, you know, standing up to the competition and and performing better. Yeah. The reef signing is only good for a guy like Braxton Jones, even if it's just as a mentor reef is known as a consummate professional, good locker room guy. He's going to be a good glue guy to that offensive line. And to me, it seemed obvious like, Oh, okay. You know, they're going to, they're going to let Braxton Jones sit behind reef at at left tackle. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going to let that happen. They're going to let Borum and Jenkins, whatever is happening with Jenkins um, Jenkins uh, fight it out for the right tackle. And that that's kind of what the tackle is going to look like. Um, and then with the Jenkins situation where, you know, he hasn't practiced yet. Um, we're getting some mixed messages here from, you know, the leaks of maybe he's going to get traded. And then Luke gets, saying like, no, he's engaged. He's going to be good to go once he gets over this thing. And it's like, okay, I'm not quite sure. Fingers what's crossed. Here. Fingers right? crossed. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Exactly. Um, I mean, hopefully that is what, you know, what, what's happening. Maybe he did have some sort of injury that kind of kicked him back and, and he just hasn't been able to physically go and not all this other stuff. There's too much smoke there for there to be nothing, but yeah. Um, you know, it, it, then it kind of seemed like, well, if Jenkins isn't going to be there, then it really does seem like it's a Braxton Jones at left 
versus Larry Borum at right. Uh, Riley Reef plays whichever one uh, is the is uh, not going to win the job, right? I, I don't think it's a Braxton Jones versus Riley Reef as much as it's a Braxton Jones versus Larry Borum. That makes sense. Uh, I agree, and, and I really am struggling after seeing what I saw today. I'm really struggling to see how Tevin Jenkins finds a spot on this team, or at least even competes for a right for a starting tackle position because. If they really thought that Tevin Jenkins was somebody who could at the very least compete, I think Riley Reef would be spending a little more time at the left side, kind of as that potential swing tackle or competing for one of the two spots. Now that he's just like going at the right spot and leaving the left tackle spot to Jenkins, or I'm sorry, uh, to Jones, we know Tevin Jenkins isn't going to play left tackle. They made that crystal clear earlier in the offseason. His only spot, I feel like, is that right tackle. And now you're starting to get a log jam there with two other guys. So this this is honestly one of the biggest mysteries in recent memory with the Bears, especially coming out of training camp. It is so odd. And injuries happen, but just like the smoke around it, the rumors coming about coming out about his immaturity, him being on the trade block. I, I had don't remember ever seeing anything like this. I, I mean, I don't either. I, I think that uh, uh, the the takeaway here, though, is that it's pretty clear that Ryan Poles did not like this offensive line. Mm-hmm. And it would not surprise me to see if he replaces all five starters here, you know, within two years. Um, that would not be a shock. I, I, I could see all of his guys being in front of Justin as soon as 2023 rolls around. So uh, if, if Braxton Jones is the first piece to win one of those positions, um, that won't, that won't surprise me, but I, I think that there's, there's more coming or those guys that, that you know, Jatir Carter, um, you know, maybe he steps in uh, Zach Thomas, you know, learning behind uh, uh, Cody white here, you know, grooming him for the, for, for next year. I, it just seems like this whole thing's going to be reset in two years, which quite frankly, Good. You can defend that yeah. <laughs> decision making <laughs> by by Ryan Pauls. <laughs> hey, did, did you get a chance much to see anything at center? I mean, I know uh, Doug Kramer's been getting some reps there with the ones along with Sam Mustafer. Does it look like they're settling into one guy or the other at that center spot, or is it still kind of like up in the air right now? I think it's up in the air. Uh, it seems like yesterday or um, two days ago, Doug Kramer was primarily rolling with the ones. Today, yeah. it was pretty much Sam Mustafer. Um, you know, I, I thought the interior looked okay. The issue I had was, and this is kind of going back to my experience with last year, I was on the end zone. So I saw some of the offensive line that was great, like especially coming towards me. Little bit blocked a little bit. Uh, my view was obstructed by some of the players. But it seemed, for the most part, Sam Mustafer was the guy at center right now. And I, I thought he looked okay. I mean, there wasn't like too many like blown up plays right at the line of scrimmage, thankfully. Justin Fields or... I guess whoever was playing quarterback, they had a little bit of time um, to actually do something. But yeah, we'll see what happens tomorrow if Doug Kramer uh, switches out and you know see what they're doing there with Lucas Patrick being out. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know that they're going to trust uh, rookie to take snaps here just for a game or two. I mean, I think you can make the argument that you let Sam take over for uh, for the short term until Patrick gets back. He's probably going to, Patrick's going to miss probably one or two games, I would assume, um, if the, the timelines were correct. So 
you know, it makes a little more sense with a guy that has some experience. Maybe, maybe take that on and not a, a green rookie who to me looked like he needed a little bit more seasoning before you put him on the field, but yeah. uh, it could be wrong. So l- let's move on to Justin Fields. Uh, I don't know what your experience was with the, the fans. There just seems to be, you know, this is a, a budding superstar in the making, but we had, we added the fields report when fields started to start games last year just kind of reviewing what he had done in the game and, and taking a specific focus on him. So continuing that with camp here. So what was your impression of Justin's practice today? Anything stand out to you? Do you have a good practice down practice? Uh, you know, basically how was he? I thought he had a mixed practice and it depends on where he was at the field on the field. So when the bears were kind of in the middle of the field where he had more room to work with, I thought he was really, really good. I mean, we saw the, you probably saw the highlight of the deep ball to Bayless Jones off the play action pass to David Montgomery. Bayless just beat Dane Cruikshank and Fields dropped it right in the bucket. It was probably the best throw we had all day. Of course, the, uh, the offsides call. I mean, how many times have we seen over the last few years, Bears quarterbacks get the defense to jump off sides and then just spike the ball on the ground and take the five yards? Fields actually turned it into a long play to Equinemia St. Brown. He beat his defender easily. It seemed like the defender actually gave up, um, but, you know, just taking it up over the top. So I thought on some of his deep patterns, he was pretty good. He missed uh, one other deep one to Equinemius. Same sort of route that Valus ran. It was a flag route. Um, but I, I thought overall in those those longer field situations, he was really solid. When you got towards the red zone, that's where some of the issues came across, in my opinion. And what I was seeing was Fields was locking in too much on Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. There was one play in particular that stood out to me because it was right in front of my face. Fields is scrambling to the right. Nikhil Harry's wide open in the back of the end zone. He's got a good, like, I'd say, like two or three seconds where, you know, you could pretty fit a ball pretty good in there to, you know, have a chance at a touchdown probably get a touchdown fields doesn't see it instead he tries to force the ball towards darnell mooney on the sideline he was well covered broken up so that was kind of disappointing and you just saw him kind of try to you know work a little too much towards cole Komet and darnell mooney and maybe not utilize his other receivers so that shows he's really starting to get a chemistry with those guys but i'd like to see him do a little bit more with the other guys especially when you're trying to score um in terms of his, I saw a lot of scrambles from him. He was rolling out of the pocket. There were a few coverage sacks, unfortunately. I thought the defensive backs did a pretty solid job overall. Um, they were really trying to work on his scrambling in certain situations. I thought there was a really a really cool uh, drill they were doing um, outside of team drills where they were actually just having the quarterback run upfield and work on those quarterback-designed runs. Uh, all the quarterbacks were doing it. So you saw Fields, Peterman, and Simeon. So a little bit of a that, difference there as athletes. What's that? A little bit of a difference uh, there as those athletes. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> you definitely see a bit big difference with Fields when he's moving. Uh, but I thought something like that was unique and you know, nice to see that they're really trying to they're embracing Justin's strengths and athleticism. I I know Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze came out the other day, I believe, and said. We're trying to get him to throw from the pocket, but we're also not trying to limit what he can do outside of the pocket, you know, kind of striking that fine line. So I thought that was pretty good in, in practice today. You saw him go through his reads, go through his progression, 
again, you just wish that maybe he spread the ball around a little bit in the end zone. Uh, Cause that was pretty much the only issue, the only areas where he really struggled in my opinion. You know, I want to go back to what you said earlier about the, uh, the, 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 the flag, the, the, the penalty on the defense. You're right. So many times in years past, we've seen bears quarterbacks not take that free play. But then when you watch the Packers, for example, and Aaron Rodgers. He lives off those mm-hmm. free plays. He, he he takes the deep shot every chance he gets. So this has to be some of that Luke Getze um, influence coming over from Green Bay. You know, when when you're when you're around greatness like he was for so long in Green Bay, you know some of that wear rubs off on you, and that some of that it's going to be uh, also imparted on Justin Fields. And you know this is just it's, it's a small thing you mentioned, but man, when you said it, I'm like, man, that's it's so good to hear that he's doing something that is so. So, so, so common in today's NFL, but something the Bears has haven't been doing. Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's both. It's Getsy and it's Fields' it's mentality because Fields, he's a killer, man. Yeah. Remember last year during the Packers game, he thought and he should have gotten that uh, defensive offsides where he threw the ball deep. He was trying to go for the home run, turned out to be intercepted and it was a missed call. But so we have seen it before, but this time, I mean, he put it right on the money and, I'm sure with Luke Ketsy in his ear, seeing, you know, what he's seen with Aaron Rodgers over the last few years, that's going to be commonplace. And it's also good to see that Fields is working on his hard count, continuing to get defensive lines to jump across. And then, of course, trying to take advantage of that. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he's a big game hunter. It's, I mean, I think that if this all comes together, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I know, you know, the offensive line might not be where people want. I, I put a tweet earlier this week and I was like, look, it's first week of pads. They clearly have not settled the offensive line positions. Uh, that's matters, right? I mean, the offensive line is not an individual game. It is a team. It is a team within a team. And those five guys need to learn how to work together. They need to learn their line calls. I'm not saying they're going to be great, but there's a path for them to have five guys on the field that can play. And if that happens and they learn how to play together, they can do okay. And so they just, it, it's early in camp. Don't freak out people. Um, but give that will hopefully give Fields some time, and you've got a legitimate system that's not all curl routes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that this wide receiving core is—it's. I know it's not full of top line talent, but I think there's enough veteran presence with enough interesting guys that um, you know, like Velas. I think it looks like he's ready to play right away. Um, I think there's enough there that there can be some interesting offensive performances. That's, I mean, at this point as a bears fan, it's kind of all you can hope for. That's all I want. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the biggest concern there is with who we mentioned earlier, Lucas Patrick. It it just stinks that, you know, here's a guy that I sound like Chris Collins work. Here's a guy. Here's a guy. (laughs) You talk about Lucas Patrick, um, but Lucas Patrick, he's supposed to be the center. You need to work on that timing. You need to work on that cadence with a new quarterback. So I think there could be, assuming he can make it back for week one or week two, there could be some growing pains there. Hopefully the ends of the line with the tackles get get straightened out. But that interior, it, it I think it's going to just be a work in progress. Like you said, it's going to take time, but these guys are going to gel at some point. We We do see it. And I think with the coaches that are in place and kind of stressing the different kind of line play that we want to see or they want to see, it, it's going to happen. I think there's those first few weeks, it just could be a lot of growing pains, unfortunately. It's to be expected, though. I, I think like it was a good tweet that, that he had, you know, earlier this week. You know, it's these guys, 
they are coming together. It's it's yeah. going to be a it's going to be a progress, and you know it, it may not really start clicking until somewhere in the season. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen probably in camp. It may not happen in preseason. You know, a lot of people preach patience. You know, that's you know that's what the Bears are in. They're in a a, a preach patience mode right now. They're resetting the roster. It's a ton of new guys, and it'll take some time. But I think uh, you know I think we're all excited at the future if if things especially with Justin Fields. If if he's being that guy, it's going to be fun. We'll take a quick break here. We'll let somebody pay the bills. We'll come right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, we're back. So let's talk about your top offensive and top defensive players from this practice. Now, again, it's one practice, and this is the only practice that you've been to. So, you know, you've been following other people that have been at practice. You've been reading all the practice reports and all that kind of stuff. But this was with your eyes. You got to see this team. They're in full pads, which I'm jealous. I I didn't get to see contact. (laughs) That makes me feel sad. Um, But who who stood out to you as your top offensive player today? So a few guys, uh, definitely. And at certain points of practice too, I think a few different guys shined. I don't know if there was like a consistent, and maybe aside from fields, a consistent performer, but right off the bat, Tristan Ebner, that guy has quickness. He has speed. He was juking guys. He had a really, really solid long run to, I think it was one of the first plays of team drills. So it was, it felt early in the morning, but a lot of guys compare him to, oh, he's the new Tariq Cohen. I don't necessarily agree with that. He's obviously he's bigger. I think he's stronger. He's kind of a mix between Cohen and somebody like David Montgomery who can take a hit. But his elusiveness, I, I think, is going to be a really big asset to this offense and special teams. So right off the bat, he shined for me. I thought Bayless Jones again, with that deep pattern was awesome, but I didn't see too much of them after that, which, which was a little disappointing. I think all of the running backs actually were solid though. Going back to Ebner, you saw David Montgomery get a load of the carries. He was taking contact. He was running hard like usual. Khalil Herbert, of course, right behind him showing that vision. I thought he ran solid. And then Darrington Evans, like that's a guy you don't want to forget about. It's going to be a big battle between him and Ebner for that third running back spot. I really do hope they keep four because I think all those guys can be assets. I'm not sure if that's possible uh, as well as keeping Kari Blossom game, 
but the running backs seem to be pretty good. And I, I thought they really made an emphasis on running the ball today. Um, Cole Komet had a solid practice. I, I think there were, there was one play that stood out. <laughs> there was one play that stood out to me um, that it really uh, benefited the defense more where Jaquan Brisker punched the ball out. I know we're not, we're talking about offense, but Cole Komet was, was targeted early and often. And I think he showed some of his physicality, you know, trucking guys a little bit and u- using his size to his advantage across the middle. So he looked pretty good. I just wish he looked a little bit better in red zone, but I could say that for pretty much everybody. It's funny when you mentioned Komet. As a rookie, I think he made the, the angry run segment on NFL Network a few times. We didn't see too much of that last year. Uh, part of it was how it was used. We already talked mm-hmm. about the, the, the excessive curl route, so it's kind of hard to – if you're a guy that big that takes a while to get going, you know, you're not going to truck anybody if you catch the ball and when, when you're standing still. So I'm excited to see Cole commit. I'm excited to see his progression. You know, uh, I talk about it a lot on Twitter and in some of some private methods, Twitter chats we have, you know, he, he's a young guy. He's, if, if, if he's maxed out at his potential right now at 23 years old, a 60 catch guy, you know, he's an okay blocker. If this is who he is, that's fine. But I mean, if you can't progress up, see the progression that he could take you know there's another step to take there i mean he's not done you know and his nfl career is not over he's there's another step for him to take and i don't know how big it'll be but i, I know that he's with a coaching staff that they know how to use him that's that's the that's the big positive with uh Komet and, and this staff yeah i think the biggest so the biggest asset with Komet early on i think was his run blocking he he was really really good in that area and the best word, I was talking to a guy at, at camp today, the best word I can use to describe Cole Komet in the passing game is clunky. I think the way that he runs is a little, little clunky. Like, it's not as fluid as it needs to be. It's not as smooth as it needs to be. He looks leaner this year. And I'm sure you've seen that in pictures, but, like, even just see him seeing him standing and kind of running routes, he looks leaner. He looks a little bit smoother. Granted, it is only practice, but I'm really – excited to see what the staff can do with him to hopefully better, you know, uh, round out his route, not round, but, you know, smooth out his routes a little bit and possibly take over that Robert Tunyon role that we saw in green Bay where Tunyon just was a beast in the end zone. He maybe only got like 500, 600 yards during the season, but he was always a threat to catch a touchdown. And again, Cole's got the size. He can do it if he's put in the right position. And like you said, Lester, when you're running curls and, especially when you're running routes on thir- third and 23. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> there's, there's no hope. This is hashtag swole commit. This is commit season. I, this is, <laughs> we have become a, uh, a commit fan podcast somehow. I, I think this, it has happened. Yeah. I, I, and it's my fault. I'll, I'll take blame for that. No, I look, I was there for three days and every, each, like my first day, I was like, Cole commit, like look pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I've been getting, uh, you know, some, some grief about it, but because I'm not, I mean, look, yeah, go back to the draft. I didn't want Cole Komet. I wanted Antoine Winfield Jr. Winfield. Sure. It didn't happen, right? So Cole Komet's a bear. So I've been cheering for him, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with a tight end taking a little bit of time to develop because that's a really hard position to learn. And you have to be able to do multiple things well and and, and to be a good tight end, uh, you know, a round tight end here. And it's not surprising that going into his third year, he looks like he might take a step. That's generally what happens with most tight ends. You don't get spoiled. You know, yeah, Kyle Pitts. Oh, he's a tight. Yeah. Okay. He's just a giant 
wide receiver yeah. that they call a tight end, <laughs> which is going to financially probably hurt him down the line. Uh, you know, you know, Travis Kelsey. Okay. Well, yeah, he's not going to be Travis Kelsey. Fine. But can he be that step below Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey going to the hall of fame. So can yeah. he, can he just be like a really good tight end? It's possible. Maybe we just need to give Cole Komet a chance to see what he does this year. That's what all we, real quickly. What would you guys think if he had a career like Kyle Rudolph? Perfect. Sure. It's not bad. Good player. Yeah. Not great, but good player. So nothing wrong with that. 10-year pro, a couple pro bowls. I'm sure he has alternates, you know, but, you know, he'll catch, you know, 40, 50, 60 balls for you every season. He's a threat. You know, he like we talked about his red zone production has to pick up, you know, but, you know, I think the key for Cole Komet, especially in this offense, and that's something he talked about in the offseason, was he wanted to really improve his, his blocking. If he can show that he could become an above-average blocker, and look, he's – He's 6'5", he's 260, he added some some muscle mass this year. He has thinned down, but he's he's in better shape, and you know he wants to become more aggressive as a run blocker. If he can hone that part of his game, that's going to be a, a huge fit for this offense. And you know the, the target share should not be there. He should not be getting targeted as much as he was targeted a year ago. But I think his percentage, his catch percentage, could probably increase because he's not, not going to be used like he was used in years past. Yeah. And, and again, situationally, like when you're deep, deep in your own end zone and you're running those third and twenties, the last thing you want to do is give it to a tight end like Cole Komet. That's just not, it's not smart football, but I totally agree with what you said. Like the, he is absolutely going to be counted upon for run blocking with this sort of offense. They are going to run the ball, run the ball, take a break, run the ball again, and just, you know, continue to pound it down your throat. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment. You've seen the PG 13 version of, of Cole Komet where he never scores. Let's, uh, let's see the rated R version. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well done. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. You mentioned Jaquan Brisker earlier, having a punch out. He's had a good camp. I mean, I was super impressed with Brisker. I thought Gordon, you know, played pretty well, looked pretty good for a rookie corner, but I was like, oh, I really like Brisker. It was very easy for me to get behind Brisker. Uh, so I kind of jumped at you saying that, but you mentioned somebody else in, in your article today. So who else is popping off for you in the defense and who would you say your top player was? Yeah, and I, I feel kind of dirty doing this because I've been I've been very high on him ever since he signed with the Bears. But Tavon Young looked pretty good today, and I, I think he was put in an advantageous situation because you had Kyler Gordon out, you had Kendall Vildor out, both of whom who had been taking starting uh, starting snaps. Gordon at the nickel corner spot and Vildor at the other outside corner spot opposite of uh, Jalen Johnson. So in comes Tavon Young and Lamar Jackson, who, again, has had a pretty good camp. So he was well, getting some guy, solid. Davey. Lamar Jackson is my guy. <laughs> he, was, he was pretty solid today, too. But Tavon Young, he was effective in the run, run game. He put Darnell Mooney on his ass. And he also tipped a pass from fields that led to a near interception from Eddie Jackson in the end zone. I mean – uh, Tavon Young, he's been a solid nickel corner. The biggest issue with him is his health. Right. And he's still relatively young. This is a chance for him to really kind of reset his career. He's on a prove-it deal. And I'm kind of disappointed that Gordon didn't play today because I really wanted to see how he performed, especially if they were going to keep him in this uh, nickel corner spot. I'd personally like to see him on the outside. I think he'd be effective there. I understand that NFL offenses, they're running all those types of receivers. You're going to be in that nickel and dime package like a ton. 
but seeing Tavon Young kind of ball out was really nice. And I, he was my pick to be the starting nickel corner, even competing against Thomas Graham. And he's been out for a while, unfortunately, but it was good to see him perform. And yeah, Jaquan Brisker, like when I tweet, so I tweeted out that uh, he punched the ball out from Cole Komet. And I'm sure you guys will appreciate this. Half of my mentions were, well, it was just Cole Komet dropping the ball. This was this was a completed catch, my friends. And Jaquan Brisker peanut punched that thing right out. And the defense celebrated accordingly. It was a good catch. Jaquan Brisker just made a better play. And it seems like he's doing that every single practice. And I'm so excited to see this young man play. He just has that ball hawk mentality. I think he's going to make the entire defense better. I think the secondary overall looked pretty good. I and even being down a couple guys like that, I'm really, really excited to see how they perform against other wide receivers not on their team and in you know a preseason format. It's funny because there was such a weakness a season ago, and now in one season, you even have the guys that are perceived you know at this point anyway as backups playing pretty good in training camp. So it's it's a it's a nice uh, it's a nice problem to have if you got if you have, at, end up cutting a guy that you were counting on playing because the young guys you know outperformed him. And you talk about the peanut punch mentality. It was there the whole time I was at camp as well with JB. Every single play, those defenders are coming at the ball. You know that they, yep. they want it. And it's 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 a beautiful thing as Bears fans because we want we we want those turnovers. You know we we would love hearing the guys on on, on the TV saying talk about the peanut punch. You know more more elevation of peanut punch. Let's get him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, and not only that, but just the physicality too. So Eddie Jackson was a guy that stood out in that sense. He uh he was going after David Montgomery. Those two, I don't know if there's like a frenemy relationship there. They just are good competitors. But there was one time Ejax kind of popped David Montgomery on a run. And then as they were getting in red zone work, Montgomery's pushing towards the end zone and Ejax and them are going at it a little bit after the whistle. And I'm like, you know what? I like this mentality. I want to see that from Eddie Jackson. I want to see that fight. I want to see that you know, competitiveness come out and, you know, they adapted up after there was, they were good. There wasn't like, it wasn't like a scrum or anything, just two guys that were really trying to, you know, one of them trying to score the other one, trying to keep them out of the end zone. And that was, that was really pleasant to see, especially from a guy like Eddie Jackson, who he's been dogged a lot over the last couple of years for his tackling abilities. And rightfully so I get it, but I think he really put out the effort today. And uh, again, just really good to see that from him. I just want to go back, Brandon, to what you said earlier about Gordon, and you didn't get the chance to see Gordon. Um, and I so I think that what I have seen, uh, or, or what I saw in the in the early camp, and this may have changed. Don't get me wrong, but I think some Bears fans are like, "What the the first pick uh, is just going to be the nickel?" I think what's happening is that uh, the the idea is Gordon's going to be on the field, and yeah. he's going to play outside corner if you're running, you know, a base defense, just meaning four four defensive backs. And then if they go into the nickel, they like the idea that of him being able to slide down. So to me, it seems like we have a Kindle Vildor at outside corner versus Tavon Young slash Thomas Graham if he ever gets uh, healthy um, at nickel. You know, so the idea is Gordon's going to be on the field in one of those two corner spots when they play nickel, and the other spot is open for one of those other guys to step up, or it could be matchup dependent, right? Where yep. they say, "Hey, we really think that we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of eleven personnel. You know, we're, the the offense is gonna put three wide receivers out, and they're gonna put a 
uh, a slot guy that is a little taller. They're going to put like a power slot in. Um, we want Gordon on him because because uh, we don't think Graham or, or Tavon Young matches up well, and we're going to put Vilder on the outside. Or the next week, it's, you know, actually we feel pretty good about um, uh, Young matching up against this, you know, shiftier slot wide receiver. So we're going to just keep Gordon on the outside. I think that's where the competition is, not so much Gordon only playing nickel. I would agree. And I really, again, I really wish I could see it in action, but I was talking to um, another Bears podcaster today, Duke Coughlin, who was out there and he pretty much said the same thing. He's like, yeah, Jalen Johnson's probably going to be one of those guys. He's strictly going to play on that one side of the field. We saw him last year, try and shadow some of the bigger top end receivers like Cooper cup, like Devonta Adams and move that to the slot. And that's where the Packers specifically have killed us. And he had mixed results. And I think Jalen Johnson is much better as an outside corner. So then you bring in that versatility with Gordon, like you said, if there's a top end wide receiver that he can shadow more or less that moves to the slot, then you put Gordon there. You have somebody like Vildor on the outside, and then he moves back to outside. And like you said, with Graham or or young in the slot. So um, yeah, I would agree. And I think that's going to help. I think Gordon, Without seeing him practice yet, uh, I think he could have that ability to kind of shadow that top wide receiver. And I mean, we, we haven't had a guy like that in a long, long time, even with Fuller and, uh, you know, Jalen Johnson here. We haven't seen that since Charles Tillman, like 10 years ago. Well, good stuff, Brendan. I really appreciate you coming on here. Where can people find your stuff? I mean, you're on Twitter, you're writing articles all the time. So where can people go find you? Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Check out my work on Bearswire. So you can follow Bearswire or Bearswire.com. And then I also host a weekly podcast called the Bear Down Chicago podcast with Ryan Dangle, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, and Logan Bradley. So uh, definitely check out our episodes. We'll have an upcoming one this Monday. So uh, thank you guys so much. It's such a pleasure to talk with you guys. Like I said earlier, I'm a big fan of both of you, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. I, I think, Lester, you're one of the best writers out there, and JB, you know, getting to know you over the last few years and seeing your work has been awesome. So it really is a pleasure to come on with you guys. I really appreciate it. That's very kind of you to say. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's uh, we don't get a lot of compliments, so we're certainly <laughs> uh, we, no bears. Get, bears people. Bears people are just yelling at you at practice now. Right, yeah, that's all it is. Out of yeah. practice. Well, stick around for the the YouTube crowd when we'll, uh, get a little Q and A here. Looks like we got we got some of those, but we'll close out the podcast here, uh, guys. We uh, really appreciate you, you uh, listening to this show, and uh, we got a ton of stuff, man. I mean, the Taylor show, uh, Making Monsters, was awesome this week. Make sure you're checking that out. Uh, Lester and I are going to be back on Sunday. Uh, no, it's me and Jacob, Jacob on Sunday. Jacob, yeah, yeah. yeah. J- Lester's going to be at practice, but it's actually just uh, Jacob and Fonte and I will recap. Uh, Sunday's practice. He's he's going to that one. Uh, so so we'll be here covering that practice. We'll we'll continue to try to bring you as many practice coverage as we can. Um, and we're getting closer to the season. We're getting closer to our our lineup. Uh, we're getting closer to a fun announcement. Uh, and so so stay stu- tuned. I know they all will like that. Close. Uh, follow us on Second City Gridiron YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Gridironborn at WilfongJR. Uh, and until next time, bear down. <laughs> Ugh! <laughs>